The Writings of Isaac Pennington, Volume 2, Chapter 15, The Letters of Isaac Pennington, Part 3 of 4. To those who drink of the waters at Astrop Wells, Dear friends, there is a great God, the creator of all things, who gave man a being here in this world, to whom every man must give an account when he goes out of this world. This great God, who loves mankind, and would not have them perish, is near unto man, to teach him the fear which is due from him to God. The man that learns this pure fear of God is daily exercised by it in departing from evil, both in thought, word, and deed, and in doing that which is good in his sight. There is likewise another teacher near man, who is also ready to teach such as do not know or fear God. This one teaches to dishonor the great God who made man a vessel of honor for his glory. They that learn of this teacher learn not to fear God, nor to do good, but rather to please themselves in doing evil, both in thought, word, and deed. Oh, what account will all such give when they go out of this world and come to be judged by the great God, who is of pure eyes and cannot behold iniquity, when all their sins are set in order by him before them, and just judgment is proportioned out by him? Oh, why do men forget God their Creator days without number, and instead hearken to him who first deceived them, doing the will of the deceiver and destroyer of souls, and not the will of the blessed Creator and Savior. O oh, hearken to wisdom's counsel, when she cries in the streets of your hearts against that which is evil, and contrary to the nature, life, and will of God, lest the day of calamity from God come upon you. For then you will cry unto the pitiful and tender God, but his tender heart will be turned against you, and refuse to show you mercy. Read Proverbs one twenty to the end of the chapter. And may the Lord give you the weighty consideration and the true understanding of it for your soul's good and for the reclaiming of you from anything that is evil and destructive to your souls. This is written in tender love unto you from one who pities and loves you and desires your prosperity in this world and your everlasting happiness with God forever. Isaac Pennington, Astrop, 15th of 6th month, 1678. To such as drink of the waters at Astrop Wells. Dear friends, I entreat you to consider what I have included for your eternal good. Oh, be not deceived by the enemy of your souls in things of an everlasting concern. Here are some questions, propounded for your consideration and the tender melting love of my heart towards your everlasting welfare. First question, is not God light? Is he not pure light? spiritual light, eternal light, in whom is no darkness at all? 1 John 1, five. Second question. Is not man, in his natural, unregenerate, corrupt state, darkness? And can he possibly, in that state, have any union or fellowship with the great God and Savior? See Ephesians 5.8, 2 Corinthians 4.6, and 1 John 1.6. Third question. Does not the great God, in his tender love to mankind, cause his pure heavenly light to shine in man's heart? In this his dark and corrupt state? 2 Corinthians 6, 6, John 1, 5. Fourth question. What is the purpose of God's causing his pure light to shine in man's corrupt heart? 
Is it not that man might be turned from darkness and from the power of Satan who keeps him in darkness to the light which God causes to shine in him and to God from whom this light comes? See Acts 26.18. So that following Christ and not walking in darkness, he might obtain the light of life. John 8.12. Fifth question. Does man, in his natural corrupt state, love this light when it shines in him? Or does he rather hate it? And can he hate this light without hating God from whom it comes and whose nature it is? Sixth question. Why does man, in his natural corrupt state, hate this light? Is it not because his deeds are evil and because he would prefer to continue in his evil deeds without being disturbed or reclaimed by this light? John 3:19-21. Seventh question. What does the light of the pure God do for them that receive and obey it? Does it not bring them out of darkness and change their nature so that they become children of the light and light in the Lord? and no more children of darkness as they were before. John 12.36, Ephesians 5.8 Eighth question. How shall it fare with those who receive the shinings of this light of Christ in their hearts, hearkening to the reproofs of it, and fleeing from that which it shows to be evil? Shall they not receive the remission of their sins from God, and an inheritance among the saints in light? Acts 26.18, Colossians 1.12-13 Ninth question. But what will become of those who do not mind the shining of God's light in their hearts, nor are turned to it, nor changed by it, but rather spend their time in what pleases the corrupt part in themselves? Will they not be separated when they go out of this world from God, who is light, and have their portion with dark spirits in utter darkness? 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-8. See also Matthew 25, 30. Oh, consider these things while you have time for your soul's eternal good so that you do not miss the holy way of life and salvation and so perish. For God does not desire that any perish, but stretches forth his hand of love by his inward light of life effectually to save your souls. Isaac Pennington, Astrop, 20th of 6th month, 1678. To one who sent a message from Astrop Wells. Friend, I had no purpose in writing or sending those papers, besides true love to your immortal soul, that you might seriously consider them and be found in the practice of them, and so be happy forever. For as Christ said to his disciples, so it is with me in this case towards you. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. I have felt the sweetness and great benefit of the practice of them, which I heartily desire you may also experience. I here send enclosed a token of my love to you in particular, which your courteous message drew from me. It contains, in a few words, the true pathway of salvation, which, though you may know already, yet the reading and serious consideration thereof may be serviceable to you. The Plain Pathway of Salvation The Lord Jesus Christ is the only Savior. Grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ saves by the grace and truth which comes by Him. For it is the grace of God that brings salvation, and it is the truth, as it is in Jesus, 
which makes free indeed. He, therefore, that desires to be saved from sin and condemnation, must wait for the inward manifesting and revealing of the grace and truth in his heart, and must receive it and be subject to it, learning of the grace to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts in every kind. And he must learn of the truth as it is in Jesus to deny whatever is contrary to the life, nature, and spirit of Jesus. He must likewise learn of the grace and truth to fear God, to turn from all false invented worships and ways of men, and to worship God, the Father of spirits, in spirit and in truth. And as he learns and practices this, he will also learn of the grace and truth to live soberly and righteously in this present world, yes, and godly also, even as the holy God would have him. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For God would have men live no otherwise than as his grace and truth teaches them. Now God's grace and truth, and the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is written in the inward parts, do not only teach that which is good, and to deny and depart from that which is evil, but they also give ability so to do. My grace is sufficient for you, said God to Paul, and the truth of Jesus, revealed inwardly, has virtue and power in it, insomuch that they who receive the grace and truth which comes by Jesus Christ receive power to become sons of God. For grace and truth are not notional things, but indeed have in them the virtue and power of life, and also the power of mortification. They that truly receive these partake of their virtue and power in operation, and a true exercise of them in their hearts, and are thereby really made dead unto sin, and alive unto God. So then, he that knows the grace and truth which comes by Jesus Christ, and receives it, learns of it, is subject to it, and partakes of its virtue and power, this one knows Christ unto salvation. But he that knows not, receives not, is not subject to the grace, and does not experience the sufficiency of the grace, nor witness the ability and power through it to become a son of God, and to do the will of God. This one does not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ unto salvation of his soul, regardless of what he may profess or believe concerning him. I am your friend, in true love and desires for you. Isaac Pennington, Astrop, 28th of 6th month, 1678. To the women friends that meet at Armscott in Worcestershire. Dear friends, in your meetings together to do service for the Lord, every one of you be careful and diligent in watching to his power that you may have the sensible, living feeling of it, each of you in your own hearts, and in the hearts one of another. Be careful to keep within the limits of it, and not think or speak or act beyond it. And wait more and more to know how to keep that silence which is of the power, so that in every one of you, whatever the power would have silent, may be silent. Oh, take heed of the forwardness of the flesh, the wisdom of the flesh, the will of the flesh, the talkativeness of the flesh. Keep them back. Oh, let them forever be kept back in every one of you by the presence and virtue of the power. The power is the authority and blessing of your meetings, and therein lies your ability to perform what God requires. 
be sure you have it with you. Keep back to the life. Keep low in the holy fear, and you shall not miss it. You will find it easy to transgress, easy to set up self, easy to run into sudden apprehensions about things, and then one will be of this mind and another of that. But feel the power keeping down all of this and keeping you out of it, while everyone watches to the life, when and where it will arise to help you. Then you will be sensible of it when it does arise, and not, in the wrong wisdom, oppose it, but rather be one with it. And thus, if anything should arise from the wrong wisdom in anyone, you will be sensible of it, not defiled or entangled with it, but abiding in that which sees through it and judges it. Thus, life will reign in your hearts and in your meetings, above that which seeks to be forward and rise up over the life. So the Lord God of my life be with you, and season your hearts with his grace and truth, and daily keep you in the savor thereof. Then you will be blessed by him, and be a blessing in his hands, and all that is evil and contrary to truth will be kept down in your own hearts, and you will be fit to keep down evil in the minds and hearts of others. And if anything be unsavory anywhere, it will be searched into, judged, and cast out and the soul that let it in can be sought out, and if possible recovered and restored. Then you will know the joy of seeking out and bringing back the lost sheep. There is that near you which will guide you. Oh, wait for it, and be sure you keep to it. Then, being innocent and faithful and following the Lord in the leadings of His power, his power may plead your cause in the hearts of all his tender people hereabouts, and they will see and acknowledge that your meetings are of God, and that you are guided by him into that way of service in his holy fear, in which he himself is with you. Be not hasty either in conceiving anything in your minds, or in speaking it forth, or in anything you are to do. Rather feel him by his spirit and life going along with you and leading you into what he would have any of you to do. If you be in the true feeling sense of what the Lord your God would have done and join with what is of God as it rises in any, or against anything that is not of God as it is made manifest among you, then you are all in your places and your proper services, obeying the blessed will and doing the blessed work of the Lord your God. I had something upon me yesterday to you, but my weakness was great. This morning this lay as a weight upon my spirit to lay upon yours. May the weight of it come upon you, to weigh down whatever is light or chaffy in any of you, that the seed of life may come up over it, and you may be weighty before the Lord in the weighty seed of life. May the Lord make you rightly serviceable to him. You will find a great work to keep one part down, so that that which is pure and living of God may come up in you, and you act only in it, not exceeding its limits. Isaac Pennington, written at John Hofford's 7th of 7th month, 1678. To S.W. Dear friend, I ever had a love to you, and a deep sense of the serious work of God upon your heart, and the upright desires of your soul after him. And it is wonderful in my eyes that the Lord should yet preserve you alive, in the midst of so great and languishing weakness. 
I have often inquired concerning you, and was glad to find a letter from your own hand, upon the reading of which, in the retired sense of my heart, I felt love arise to you, and breathings to the Lord for you. Oh, that you may fully feel and be joined to the seed of life, the seed of the kingdom, of which our Lord Jesus Christ in the days of his flesh prophesied. Oh, my dear friend, let not any part of your life lie in notions above the seed, but let it all lie in the seed itself, in your waiting upon the Lord for its arisings in you, and in feeling its arisings. Oh, what becomes of flesh and self and self-righteousness when the seed lives in the heart? My religion, for which I now daily bless my God, began in this seed, and when I first felt it and discerningly knew it to be from the Lord, my cry to Him was, Oh, this is what I have longed after and waited for. Oh, unite my soul to you in this seed forever. This is your son's gift from you, your son's grace, your son's truth, your son's life, your son's spirit. I desire no more than to be made nothing in myself, that he may be all in me. And now, what I meet with and witness here, what I feel the Lord Jesus Christ to be made to me here, none knows or possibly can know, except they have felt the pure power of the Spirit of life and have been led by it into the same holy and blessed experience. Ah, sin has no share here in this blessed seed, but is excluded by the life and power which is stronger than it. Here Christ is formed in the soul. Truly, here the black garments of unrighteousness, yes, of man's righteousness too, are put off and the white raiment is put on. Here the holy image is brought forth in the heart, even the image of the dear Son which partakes of the divine nature of the Father. Here the soul is newly created in Christ Jesus. Here is no deceit of any kind met with, but only truth from God, even the true life, light, virtue, power of the Lord Jesus Christ as livingly felt in the heart, and as effectually operating there as ever the power of sin did previously. Oh, that you might daily discern this, and feel this to grow up in you more and more, and die to all notions, even notions of the heavenly things themselves, which are held outside of this. Then your soul may fully live in the spirit, life, and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and nothing but his life, spirit, and power may live in you, to the glory of God the Father, and to the great joy and gladdening of your heart in his presence. Amen. Your friend, in the true, sincere love of the heavenly, everlasting seed. Isaac Pennington, 13th of 12th month, 1678. To the Lady Conway. Dear friend, in tender love, and in a sense of your sore afflictions and exercises, I do most dearly salute you, and I desire for you that the work of the Lord in your heart may not be interrupted by any devices of the enemy. Oh, may it go on and prosper in you, in the springing up of the pure seed of life in your heart, and in the powerful overturning by the mighty arm of the Lord of all that is contrary to it in you. Oh, that you may daily feel that holy birth of life, which is begotten by the Father and lives by faith in him. May you daily feel it living in you when temptations and trials increase on every side. 
Oh, feel the birth of life, which will cry to the Father, Lord, increase my faith. Though sorrows, heaviness, and faintings of heart increase ever so much, yet if your faith increase also, it will bear you up in the midst of them. Oh, that you might come to feel the daily wasting away of sin and death and the daily springing up of life and holiness in your heart. The pearl is worth thousands of worlds, together with the greatest earthly glory and pleasure imaginable. Oh, that you may be taught of God to discern it more and more and to buy it and to come into the enjoyment and possession of it. May the Lord manifest Zion more and more to you and show you the glory of it and set your feet towards it and put into your heart to seek the way to it, renewing you more and more in the spirit of your mind whereby the way comes clearly to be discerned and faithfully walked in. Then you will witness daily the everlasting covenant of life and peace, even the sure mercies of David. The desire of my soul is that your afflictions which, however grievous they may be, are but momentary, may fit you for and work out an eternal weight of glory for your soul to inherit in another world forever. I remain a sympathizer with you in your sufferings and desire that all blessings from the God of my life may come to you, which hardships, temptations, and trials prepare the heart and make way for. Isaac Pennington, 14th of 12th month, 1678. To S.W. Dear S.W., I have ever had a love to you, and have many times been filled with earnest desire for you, that you may know the Lord in his own pure teachings, and travel into and dwell in the fullness of the kingdom of his dear Son. In order to arrive here, you must wait to know God and Christ in the mystery of their spirit, life, and power, and here you will find the secrets of the mystery of darkness searched and purged out, and the mystery of godliness opened and established in your heart in its place. You must know Christ formed inwardly, the soul formed, yes, and created inwardly anew in him. You must know a real transplanting into his death, and a real feeling of his springing and rising life in all of its sweetness, safety, and virtue. So you must be only what you are made and preserved to be in the light, grace, life, virtue, and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, and must feel him remove anything that is unrighteous, and clothe you with his pure life, spirit, and righteousness. Oh, this is indeed the pure, precious, living knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, which all outward knowledge must lead to, and where it is comprehended and finds its end. This is the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord, which Paul was so ravished with, and for which he counted all things but dross and dung. Now, that you may attain this, mind the inward appearance, the root, the fountain, the rock within, the living stone within. Mind its openings, its springings, its administering life to you, and take heed of running into the outwardness of openings concerning heavenly things, but keep in the inwardness of life within. This is the everlasting habitation of the birth which is begotten and brought forth, bred up and kept alive by the presence, power, and operation of the living Spirit alone. The Lord Jesus is that Spirit, 
as really as he was once man, even the holy, heavenly, immaculate, spotless Lamb of God. And in this state, life reigns in the heart, and the horn of the Holy One is exalted, the head of the serpent crushed. Yes, Satan is trodden underfoot by the God of peace. For the Lord desires that his children dwell in the sweetness and fullness of the gospel, in the peace, life, righteousness, and joy of his blessed spirit and power. Oh, who would not desire after and wait for and walk with the Lord towards the obtaining and possessing of these things? All the promises in Christ are yes and amen. Inward victory is promised. The inward presence of God is promised. God's dwelling and walking in the soul is promised. Christ supping with the soul and the soul with him is promised. Putting the law in the heart and the writing of it there and putting the pure living fear into the heart and the holy powerful spirit which can cause it to walk in God's ways and to keep his righteous judgments and do them. All of this is promised. Yes, the Lord is able to do this work in the heart. For what cannot the spirit of judgment and burning consume and burn up within? Indeed, all these things are promised. He can cause the soul to rejoice in the Lord and work righteousness and to remember the Lord in his ways as some were taught and enabled to do in former times. Isaiah 64, 5 Yes, he can bring into the way of holiness, the king of glory's highway, into which no unclean thing can enter. And truly, they that are kept undefiled in the way taste of the sweetness, blessedness, purity, and holy pleasure. Certainly, if that is indeed put off wherein the enemy's power lies, and that indeed is put on wherein the strength of the Lord Jesus is revealed, and if the soul is really in the possession of and abides in this state, how can it not be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might? How will it not witness the good pleasure of the Lord fulfilling his good work and the work of faith going on with power daily more and more? A little measure of this kept to removes the mountains inwardly and gives strength over the enemy. Oh, my friend, there is an engrafting into Christ, a being formed and newly created in Christ a living and abiding in Him, and a growing and bringing forth fruit through Him unto perfection. Oh, may you experience all these things, and that you may do so. Wait to know life, the springings of life, the separations of life inwardly from all the evil which hangs about it and would be springing up and mixing with it under an appearance of good. I desire that life may come to live fully in you and nothing else. So sink very low and become very little and know little. Yes, know no power to believe, act, or suffer anything for God, except as it is given to you by the springing grace, virtue, and life of the Lord Jesus Christ. For grace is a spiritual, inward thing. It is a holy seed sown by God, springing up in the heart. People have a notion of grace, but know not the thing. Do not concern yourself with the notion, but feel the thing, and know your heart more and more plowed up by the Lord, that his seed's grace may grow up in you more and more, and you may daily feel your heart as a garden enclosed, watered, dressed, and delighted in by him.
This is a salutation of love from your friend and the truth, which lives and changes not. Isaac Pennington, 27th of 12th month, 1678. To M. Hyorns. Dear friend, I received two letters from you lately, whereby I sense your great love to me and the Lord's great goodness to you in administering that which rejoices and refreshes you. Now, this advice arises in my heart. Keep cool and low before the Lord, that the seed, the pure living seed, may spring more and more in you, and your heart be united more and more to the Lord therein. Coolness of spirit is a precious frame, and the glory of the Lord most shines therein, in its own luster and brightness. When the soul is low before the Lord, it is near the seed, and preciously, in its life, one with the seed. And when the seed arises, you will have liberty in the Lord to rise with it. Only take heed of that part which will be outrunning it, and getting above it, and so not ready to descend again, and keep low in the depths with it. Oh, my friend, I have a sense that this has been the error of that people with whom you have formerly walked, and I yet observe in your spirit a liability to it. May the Lord give you to watch against it, that you may come to a pure observation and discerning of the everlasting, unchangeable seed in your own heart. And may you daily feel your mind bowed down to worship in this seed and become wholly leavened into it and be perfectly changed and preserved by it. We are here but a little while in this world for the Lord to make use of us and to serve himself by us and to fit us for the crown of glory which he will give us fully to wear in the other world. Now, feel the child's nature, which chooses nothing, but desires the fulfilling of the Father's will. I cannot desire to enjoy anything, says the nature of the true birth, except as the Father is pleased to give me to enjoy. There is a time to need, as well as to abound, while we are in this world. And the times of need, as well as the times of abounding, are greatly advantageous to us. How should faith, love, patience, meekness, and the excellency and sufficiency of God's grace shine, except by, in, and through the many exercises and varieties of conditions wherewith the Lord visits us? Yes, the greatest in the life, power, and glory of the Lord have the greatest trials and exercises, which is to their own advantage, as well as for the good and benefit of others, and to the great honor and glory of the Lord. Oh, at all times and in all conditions, take heed of a will, take heed of a wisdom which is above the seed's will and above the seed's wisdom. Let the Lord alone be all in you and make you every day what he pleases. In due time, you shall know a life, even the seed's life, the son's life, whom all the angels are to worship as it is revealed and brought forth. So be still. Be quiet and silent before the Lord, not putting up any request to the Father, nor cherishing any desire in you, except in the seed's lowly nature and purely springing life. And may the Lord give you the clear discerning, in the lowly seed, of all that springs and arises in your heart. You did read precious things of the seed when you were here, written outwardly. Oh, that you might read the same things written inwardly in your own heart. This you may do, if you become as a weaned child, 
not exercising yourself in things too high or too wonderful for you. Every secret thing, every spiritual mystery, besides what God opens to you, is too high and wonderful for you. And if the Lord at any time opens to you deep mysteries, then fear before the Lord and go no further into them than the Lord leads you. The error is still in man's comprehending, knowing mind, but never in the lowly, weighty seat of life. For the greatest, as well as the least, must be daily taught by the Lord, both in their ascending and descending, or they will miss their way. Yes, they must be daily taught of Him to be silent before Him, and know what it is to be still in Him, or they will be apt to miss in both. This from your friend, Isaac Pennington. Amersham, Woodside, 4th of 5th month, 1679. To Sarah Elgar, Dear friend, the child which the Lord has taken from you was his own. He has done you no wrong in calling it from you. Take heed of murmuring, take heed of discontent, take heed of any grief except what truth allows you. You have yet one child left, and the Lord may call for that too if he please, or he may continue and bless it to you. O oh, mind a right frame of spirit towards the Lord in this your great affliction. If you mind God's truth in your heart and wait to feel its seasoning, it will bring you into and preserve you in a right frame of spirit. The Lord will not condemn your love and tenderness to your child or your tender remembrance of him. But still, in this be subject to the Lord and bow before his will and disposal and let not the will of your nature rise above it. Retire out of the natural into the spiritual where you may feel the Lord your portion, so that now, in the needful time, you may daily receive and enjoy satisfaction therein. Oh, wait to feel the Lord making your heart what He would have it to be in this your deep and sore affliction. And now, let the world see how you prize the truth, and what truth can do for you. Feed on it. Do not feed on your affliction. The life of truth will arise in you and raise you up over your affliction to the honor of the name of the Lord and to the comfort of your own soul. Isaac Pennington, Nunnington, 6th month, 1679. To Sarah Bond, Dear Sarah, I have had many thoughts of you in this my imprisonment, wherein I have seen in spirit your error and miscarriage and also a hope and expectation in your heart which will deceive you. Oh, how much precious time have you lost, wherein you might have been traveling far on your journey, while you are disputing in your mind and wandering in the deceitful reasonings of your heart. And indeed, it will never be as you imagine, but you must begin low, and be glad of a little light with which to travel out of the earthly nature and be faithful therein. And in faithfulness, you must expect additions of light and as much power as may help you to continue on. And though you may long be low, weak, little, and ready to perish, yet in the humble and self-denying state the Father will help you and cause His life to shoot up in you. And in this shooting up will be your redemption. But oh, Hasten out of the earthly nature while you have time, and still have any visitations from the Spirit of the Lord, and do not, in your wisdom, limit Him, but accept whatever at present comes from Him, 
for the flood is breaking out and will swallow up and drown all that are not found in the ark. Therefore enter, enter quickly. Mind that which checks you in your heart, and mind also that which reasons against those checks, to hold you still in captivity, and to keep you from traveling out of the earthly nature, spirit, wisdom, and practices. O come out of the spirit and way of this world, that you may live and not die. For none shall live except those that walk in the way of life, and leave the paths and course of the dead, in which you are yet entangled. Do not limit the Holy One of Israel in your desires or expectations, but thankfully receive the smallest visitation that comes from Him to your soul. For there is life and peace in it, and death and perplexity in turning from it. Therefore receive the day of your visitation, and be turned in it from the darkness of the earthly mind and nature, into the light of all living and redeemed souls. And this is my tender counsel to you. Wait for and graspingly receive the checks of the Most High, and take heed of reasoning against them. And as these, though in a low and mean and despicable way to your wisdom, draw and lead you out of any earthly thought, word, custom, or practice, follow diligently, waiting to have your reasoning subdued to the smallest motions and lowest guidance of life in you. For I know that life is near you, even the life that would effectually redeem you. But now the life is bowed down and held captive under the dominion of the earthly wisdom. So it is that your redemption, which is to be wrought out by the life, is hindered and will be hindered until your heart is persuaded to join to the life and become subject to it without reasoning, consulting, or disputing. For I certainly know the light manifests in you, but the darkness puts off the present manifestation of the light and expects another. And this is in the will of the flesh, which the Father will not answer. O oh, friend, in this will and expectation you will perish, but your help, life, and salvation are in being subject to the present manifestation of light and parting with and departing from what you already know to be of the earth and not of God. In doing this, more will be made manifest in the Lord's season, and power will be given to become a child after some entrance into the childlike nature. But the will and expectation of the flesh in you shall never be answered. It has been long written in my heart concerning you, but I dared never utter it to you. Oh, that it may be now uttered, to the melting and advantage of your heart. For indeed I love you, and have travailed for you, and desire the salvation of your soul, as of my own. Oh, that you may be led out of that wisdom which destroys, into that which saves, where, in humility of heart, you will receive instruction daily, according to your need. But truly you must come into, and come under, that which crucifies your nature and wisdom. Here only, in the season of God's wisdom, who answers the desires of his own spirit and the heart, but regards not the flesh, will you meet with life and power, but nowhere else. I am your friend, and a dear lover of that in you which desires the Lord. Oh, that it might rise up in you, and be severed from the earth, that your soul may live. Isaac Pennington To Friends in the Truth at Lewes My dear friends, 
the God of truth plants his truth in the hearts of people, that it might grow there and bring forth fruit to him. Oh, my dear friends, feel it grow in every one of your hearts, bringing forth the proper fruits of its growth to the Lord. Mind what arises from the truth, what truth brings forth, and wait for and receive your nourishment from the Lord, that it may be brought forth in you. And whatever the Lord has made barren in you, you who have experienced his righteous judgments, let it be kept so by the same power which made it barren, that no more fruit may be brought forth to sin and unrighteousness. Then you will live the life of truth and dwell and walk in the truth, where there is no greater joy, delight, or peace to be desired or enjoyed. Oh, my dear friends, know and every day experience Enoch's life, a being translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the dear Son and of walking with the Son in his kingdom. Then you will walk with the Father also and know the heavenly paths of life, joy, righteousness, and peace in the pure light of life, which is no less than a paradise to the renewed soul. I would eagerly have seen you together had the Lord made a way, but let me feel you in the hidden life and meet you at my Father's throne. This is the salutation of my love to you, which so lay upon me that I could not pass it by, who am your friend in everlasting, unchangeable truth of our blessed God and Savior, Isaac Pennington. To an unknown recipient, Friend, because my not praying in my family, according to the custom of professors, seemed to be such a great stumbling block to you, it sprang up in my heart to render you this account thereof. I did formerly apply myself to pray to the Lord, morning and evening, besides other times, believing in my heart that it was the will of the Lord I should so do. And this was my condition then. Sometimes I felt the living spring open, and the true child breathe towards the Father. But at other times, I felt a deadness, a dryness, a barrenness, and only a speaking and striving of the natural part. Even then, I felt this was not acceptable to the Lord, nor any profit to my soul, but I apprehended it to be a duty, and I dared not but apply myself to it. Since that time, that is, since the Lord has again been pleased to raise up what he had formerly begotten in me, and feed it by the pure giving forth of that breath of life which begat it, which is the bread that comes down from heaven daily to it, since then, I say, the Lord has shown me that prayer is his gift to the child which he begets. I have seen that true prayer stands not in the will or time or understanding or affectionate part of the creature, but in the Lord's own begetting, in which he first breathes upon the soul, and it breathes again towards him. The Lord works this at his own pleasure, and no time can be set when he shall breathe or when he shall not breathe. When he breathes, then is the time of prayer. Then is the time of moving towards him and following him who draws. So that all my times, all my duties, all my graces, all my hopes, all my refreshments, and all my ordinances are in his hand, who is the spring of my life and conveys, preserves, and increases life of his own good pleasure. I freely confess all my religion stands in waiting on the Lord for the riches of his spirit, and in returning back to the Lord, 
by his own spirit and in the virtue of his own life, that which he pleases to bestow on me. I have no faith, no love, no hope, no peace, no joy, no ability to do anything, no refreshment in anything, except as I find his living breath beginning, continuing, answering, and performing what it calls for, so that I have become exceedingly poor and desolate, except in what the Lord pleases to be to me by his own free grace, and for his own namesake, and in his rich mercy. And if I have tasted anything of the Lord's goodness sweeter than ordinary, my heart is willing, so far as the Lord pleases, to faithfully point any others to the same spring, and not to discourage the least desire after God in them. But where they have lost the true living child, and another thing has risen up in its stead, which, though it may bear the image of the true to the eye of the flesh, yet is not the same thing in the sight of God. And where this nourishes itself by praying, reading, meditating, or any other such-like thing, feeding the carnal part with a kind of knowledge from scriptures, this, in love and faithfulness to the Lord and to souls, I cannot but testify against, wherever I find it, as the Lord draws forth my spirit to bear testimony. This I know from the Lord to be the general state of professors at this day. The Spirit of the Lord is departed from them, and they are joined to another spirit, as deeply and as generally as ever the Jews were in their day. And their prayers and reading of the Scriptures, and preaching, and duties, and ordinances, are all as loathsome to the soul of the Lord as ever the Jews' incense and sacrifices were. And this is the word of the Lord concerning them. You must come out of your knowledge into the feeling of an inward seat of life if ever you will be restored to the true unity with God and to the true enjoyment of Him again. You must come out of the knowledge and wisdom you have gathered from the Scriptures into a feeling of the thing there written as it pleases the Lord to open and reveal them in the hidden man of the heart. This is what you must wait for from the Lord and not the boast of your present state, as if you were not backslidden from him, and had not entered into league with another spirit which keeps up the image of what the Spirit of the Lord once formed in you, but is without the true, pure, fresh life. From a faithful friend and lover of souls, Isaac Pennington. To E. Terry, Friend, if the Lord has extended favor to you and shown you mercy, I therein rejoice on your behalf. Your desire, that what you wrote may be looked upon as nothing, and that no contest may be raised from it, I am fully content to oblige. Indeed, my love flows to you, for I take notice of your seriousness, and of whatever I have unity with in your letter, and I overlook the other. With regard to disputes, indeed I have no love for them. Truth did not enter my heart that way, nor do I expect to propagate it in others that way. Yet sometimes a necessity is laid upon me for the sake of others, and truly, when I do feel a necessity, I do it in great fear, not trusting in my spear or bow, I mean in strong arguments or wise considerations, which I, of myself, can gather or comprehend. But I look up to the Lord for the guidance, help, and demonstration of His Spirit, that a way may be made thereby in men's hearts for the pure seed to be reached. Only in this is there a true conviction, 
and a thorough conversion of the soul to God is witnessed. I had far rather be feeling Christ's life, spirit, and power in my own heart than disputing with others about it. Christians that truly fear the Lord have a proportion of the primitive spirit, and if they could only learn to watch and wait there, where God works his fear, they would daily receive more and more of it. Only by this will they come to understand more and more of the true intent and preciousness of the words of the Holy Scriptures. He that will truly live to God must hear wisdom's voice within, at home, in his own heart. For he that will have her words made known and her spirit poured out to him must turn at her reproof. Proverbs one twenty three. Indeed, I never knew, and am satisfied that none else can know, the preciousness of this lesson till they are taught it of the Lord. There is one thing more in my heart to express, occasioned by your last letter, which is this. I have more unity in my heart and spirit before the Lord with the Puritans than with the churches and gatherings which men have built up and run into since. The seed of life and truth was near me, as well as others, in that day. But I wandered from it into outward knowledge, and with great seriousness into a way of congregational worship, and thereby came to a great loss. Then, at length, for lack of the Lord's presence, power, and manifestation of His love, I became exceedingly sick at heart. But now the Lord, in great love and tender mercy, having brought me back to the same seed, and fixed my spirit therein, I discern the truth and beauty of that former estate, along with my several runnings out from it, and I find what was true or false there uncovered to me by the holy anointing, which appears and teaches in the seed. And friend, it is not a notion of light which my heart is engaged to testify of, but rather that very light which enlivens, which opens, which gives the heart to see, and that wherein the power of life is felt. For truly, in the opening of my heart by the pure power, I was taught to see and own the principle and seed of life and to know its way of appearance, so that I can faithfully and certainly testify that that which is divine, spiritual, and heavenly is nearer man than he is aware, as well as that which is earthly and selfish. O oh, friend, if you cannot yet see and own the principle and seed of Christ's life and spirit, nor discern his appearance therein, yet take heed of fighting against it. For indeed, if you do, you fight against no less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Isaac Pennington